recently we went to the evangelism conference, a group of us did, and one of the things they had over there was what they called a demographic study. Uh, demographic simply means data from a certain area. It describes households, it describes income, numbers of people in an area and so forth, and just a lot of information. And so I signed up to get that done for our church, and they went ahead and emailed it to me probably within a week uh, after we were there. And a guy kind of went through it, looked at it, and I thought tonight might be a good time to just take a look at it. And you say, I don't like football, but maybe I should have stayed home and watched a football game tonight. Well, just hold on. It's, you'll, you'll enjoy this. Hang on with it. But this is the report of Longstraw Baptist Church, demographic report. You see who it's prepared by. I just took some thing, information off the Internet uh, when I downloaded it. But this is what it looked like on paper. Just a lot of good data here. I won't give you that. But I just want to give you the highlights because what they did was take a three-mile radius of Longstraw Baptist Church and a five-mile radius and a ten-mile radius. And I want to just show you the three-mile because once we get into five miles and ten miles, the numbers just go crazy on us. So uh, the circle that you see, uh, I drew the map. Uh, I took the map off the Internet of our area. The red in the middle, that's our church. That's where the church is located. So the radius, you see the round radius, that's three miles from our church. The center point being the church in the red. So you go up Highway 145 to Shooter, and it goes right about to the railroad tracks, and that's the edge of the three mile, and of course the arc goes on over. Uh, goes on all the way over to the airport. It's kind of visualizing where we are here. You've got Hogan Road. You've got uh, Longstraw Road. When you go to the stop sign, go across. You've got Longstraw Road going on up to... Uh, um, Sizemore Road, thought I had it on my mind. Uh, St. Peter Road, you got Highway 146 down at Kelly's going toward the airport, going toward Mosswood. Mosswood Road is here. Uh, come on this way, Longstraw Road going down by the cemetery. Uh, goes all the way to high, Highway 556. So you got Highway 556 where it forks when you come across the railroad track. 50, 556 going here. Uh, Shortstraw Road. Uh, Styles Ranch. So you got all of those roads. If you kind of visualize all of that in your mind, so that's the three-mile radius of Longstraw Baptist Church. So what's going on demographically in a three-mile radius of Longstraw Baptist Church? You were asking that question, weren't you? Well, since you were, oh, Lane's not okay. <laughs> well, everybody else was, but <laughs> but if you were asking, here's here's some facts about this place. Within a three-mile radius, the Longstraw Baptist Church is 1,012 people. 1,012 people live in this three-mile radius of Longstraw Baptist Church. If you do a five-mile radius of Longstraw Baptist Church, there's almost 8,000 people. If we did a 10-mile radius, which they did, it's, it's on the figures, it's almost 40,000 people because once you get 10 miles uh, going this way, you got Rustin in there. But then you got... A lot of other area too. They're not just in Ruston. There are people all over this place. But I wanted to just focus on the three-mile radius for tonight and for the future, near future, because that's, that's our, what did Jesus say about going and where do you start? You know, when Jesus said to go, start at home. You start right here. You know, we could talk about going way out there, way down the road. And we got people that come from more than 10 miles from us. Do you know how far y'all are from the church? All right. All right. Seventeen. So we go beyond our three-mile radius real easy, real quick, with them coming seventeen miles. And so, uh, just want to look at this. But three miles, 
got over a thousand people. The median age, that means half the people are younger, half the people are older, is 39 and a half years old. So you might think, well, I thought probably most people around this three-mile radius probably maybe, you know, and you got another figure a little older than that. But half the people, the median age, 39 and a half, average, average household is 2.5 people. You say, well, how do you have 2.5? Well, you just have to do a math formula to get 2.5. But it's anywhere from two to three people in the average household is, is the point of it. So does anything, want your input tonight as we go through, does anything jump out at you on, on this? Does this mean anything to you? What, what is this saying to you, these figures right here? Okay. It also says to me that what Jesus said is very true. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, wait till these last figures. You're, you're way ahead of us. Wait till we get to the end. <laughs> I didn't figure there were that yeah. many people that said I mean, it's so, to me, it seems so sparse in three Yeah. Miles, yeah. I, I thought 12, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. 12 people. 12 people. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, wait to see these numbers. Hold on. Anything else before we move? What's the population breakdown? 496 men, males, 515 female, 214 children. Anything there? 214 children. That's a lot of children. We did. <laughs> yeah. We saw a few, didn't we? We saw quite a few. Okay? Look at the households. When we talk about those 1,012 people, there's 400 homes. Uh, in this three-mile radius, is about 400 homes. Most of, them, uh, most of the people who live in the homes, 314, are own their home. Only 88 of the homes are renters. So what does, does that tell you anything? What, what does that say to you? All right. They're here. They're settled. You got at least 314 homes that this is home to them. They're, they're here to stay. They work somewhere, Ruston, Monroe, West Monroe, somewhere, or they're retired or whatever they may be, students or anything, but they're here to stay. So what does that say even more than that? Or does it say anything more to you than that? All right, need a church home. Have children. It means they're settled here and they're going to live here. They're going to be, you know, taking taking roots here. And so, what about a church home? Well, we'll get to more of that in a moment, as Butch has already alluded to. What about the marital status? They took a poll or the demographic study. They took the study and said. Let's look at people that are 15, at least 15 of age, age 15 and up. Of those group of that thousand or so in the, the three-mile radius, 158 of those people, individuals that are 15 and older, have never married. Well, of course, you're talking about 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds, which are, a lot of them are still in high school. So that's you grasp that meaning. But of those thousand or so, there's 550, 553 that are married, 43 that are widowed and 73 divorced. Does anything jump out at you at that? Yeah, the area is pretty stable. Okay. Once, once again. Somewhere in that three miles. I don't know. I don't know. 
Uh, but yeah, the stability, the, the marriage, the marriages, the homes, uh, the widows. There's, there's 43, at least 43 widows out there. And then some are divorced, and some are single, never married at all. Okay? Let's break it down a little further. Population, those that are 19 and under. From zero to four years, there's 59 children out there that are four years and younger. 59. Between the ages of five and nine, there's 64. 10 to 14, 61. 15 to 19, 49. Does that, anything in there, say something to you? I know statistics will tell you that if somebody makes a decision for cross, that most, you know, they usually will do it before they become an adult. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. Huge opportunity to have a major impact on children in the community mm-hmm. and the direct and the decisions and directions they're going to live their lives. Mm-hmm. Why we need to get hopes of zero mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. Get yeah. hopes of zero forward. Yeah. So that would start to blow up in a creature environment. Try, try. The 15 to 19 year olds, they already know it all. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Mm hmm. It is. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Right. And like I say, the earlier you reach them for Christ, the the higher percentage are that you will reach them. So there you go, Gene. 59. <laughs> and that's only at the four-year-old. We hadn't got to five-year-olds or part of that other group. So there's more than that. Uh, I'm picking on Gene because she teaches four- and five-year-olds. Out of all the children, somebody could teach or want to teach, desire to teach, she always goes four- and five-year-olds. Four and five year olds, preschoolers. That's her that's her calling. You you couldn't run her off of that class if you wanted to. She's done it for years at vacation Bible school, Wednesday night, whatever. Four and five year olds are her groups, so that's why I singled her out to say that just a moment ago. But they're out there. She got this money is when she kept coming back to that little boy. The little boy that told you whatever he told you. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Quoted a Bible scripture telling you that you've been saved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Jackie's friend. Yeah. Two little boys. Mm-hmm. And one year, we, he came and he was in my class, and he, our, our scripture for Monday that year was, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1. Mm-hmm. And so the next year, uh, Jackie was talking about, you know, if you say your Bible verse, and get points and you know mm-hmm. the girls and the boys have this competition and so he was sitting in front up here with me and I was sitting two or three pews back and he had been four years old and he was five five yeah five this year and he looked he saw me sitting back there and he looked back at me and he said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth mm-hmm. Genesis 1 1 yeah that was Monday, and this was Monday, <clears throat> so he was, he was quoting me the verse that we had the year before on Monday. On a Monday, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Making an impact, starting early, as you say. Okay? Any, anything else? Jump out. All right, let's do this. <clears throat> uh, 
America looks at generations and they have names for the different generations. You know, you have uh, the baby boomers, you have the, the baby busters, and you have the builders and, and those different groups, you know. Well, they, they did the same thing here. And so those that are, this is a different breakdown than what you just saw a moment ago. But to get an idea of these generations, uh, born between 217 and later, zero to six now is what they're showing on the generation. That's a generation of people. 217 and up is this newest generation. There's 72 children between zero and six uh, living in this three-mile radius. And the newest generation, the generation uh, born between 1999 and 2016, that would be ages seven to 24. That's forming a generation, that age group. There's 201 people between the ages of seven and 24. You say, well, that's a wide range, sure. But it just shows the youth that's out there, the numbers that are out there, the, the 201. The group born between 81 to 98, which make them 25, age 25 to 42, another distinct generation, 268, and just coming on a, a ages 43 to 58, 191, 59 to 77, 220, and 78 and up are 60 people. What... And I've got a couple answers, but what what do you see in that? What does anything say anything to you there? All right, what's the largest age group? Twenty-five to forty-two, and so those two hundred sixty-eight people there in age twenty-five to forty-two are going to be the parents of those two younger generations behind them, and so you've got. I didn't do the math, and I should have added that. 72, 201, 268, if somebody want to do the math real quick. There's a large group of people because they're the, the people having babies. They're the ones that are the young adults that are getting started in careers and getting married because we saw the marriage numbers a while ago, and they're having children. And so uh, did anybody do the math yet? 511 on that. 72, 201, 268. So from 42 under... It's 548, 548 individuals, young families. It says that you can't reach them all the same way. That's right, sure can't. Each one of those groups, you reach them all differently, don't you? You appeal to them different, you show them Jesus different, you, you reach them different, you develop relationships with them differently. And so, um, okay. Now watch this one. Internet access. This is one of the studies they did. They said of those thousand or so people in this three-mile radius, 68% of them use a computer. They're probably four years old, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and up. <laughs> They're probably four years old and maybe up to about, what, 58 <laughs> using a computer. Uh, and 81% are using a cell phone. Again, that goes probably back to about three-year-olds starting there and up. I'm just, I don't know really, not saying that really. But what does this tell you? Yeah. So to get information in their hands, is this a way to do it? A way, not the way, I'm just saying a way. Because this is, this is where they are. You know, this is where uh, so many of these generations are, are there with computers and cell phones. I mean, they come here knowing it. You know, I had to learn it because I don't remember when the first cell phone came out, but I was, you know, 
up up in some age. I mean, I was out of college and you know and and all that. And so now cell phones, uh, they they know about them when they're they're this tall and um, computers, same thing. You know, when did I get a computer? I, I can't remember. I mean, I was an adult, grown and out of the home before I had a computer. And so now they get computers as start them out as Christmas gifts with the little toy computers, you know, and that kind of thing. So they're they're learning early about these things, about computers and cell phones. So just trying to reach people and knowing how to try to reach people. Now, here's something that Butch has already got us on. All right, the question was asked, do you attend church regular, regularly? regularly? And 272 people said they disagree completely, meaning... No, we don't go to church anywhere, anytime. We're, we're out of church. We're not there. Out of this 1,000 people, 272 people said, no, we don't go at all. Out of that 2,000, I said 1,000 meant 1,000. Disagree somewhat. Well, when asked the question, well, yeah, sometimes, maybe, you know, not sure, once in a while, this sort of thing. So I went in and did the math on this. It's 435 people out of those two Never and somewhat. 435 people out of 1,000 people in the three-mile radius do not attend church on a regular basis. As you can see, 272, not at all. 272 is 34% of the people. One-third of the people in the three-mile radius do not attend church at all. One-third of this group of people do not attend church at all. 163 others uh, don't, so you put the two numbers together. 54% of the people, over half the people living in this circle only attend church once in a while, maybe, sometimes, sort of, kind of. Some do it somewhat, yes, we go somewhat, we're there some. And 221 say, yeah, we're there, we're in church. So out of the 1,000 people, at least 221 are on a regular church somewhere, whether it's here or First Baptist Shooter, or Pleasant Grove, or um, whatever else around, I'm trying to think right close, or Temple in Ruston, or First Baptist Ruston, or, you know, wherever. And so they're somewhere. Did they define what regularly meant? Mm-mm. Not within the data, no. And so, uh, you know, I, that's just maybe the way they pose the question regularly. You know, what's regular to somebody? Once a month? twice a month, every week. So anyway, there's there's that. Yeah, every Sunday's regular, yeah. But some, as he's saying, well, define regular. Well, I, you know, somebody say, yeah, I go once a month, you know, whether I need to or not. Christmas and Easter. Yeah, regular. that's true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or like I just heard here, yeah, I'm, I'm there every Christmas and every Easter. You know, I'm regular every Christmas, every Easter. That's That's right. Feed me, I'll come. All right, so so out of all of this, I'm through with the data, so I won't bore you with any more. Out of all this, what what does this got to do with us? What does this have to do with God's Word? What does this have to do with church, Jesus, you know, us, and all, all that goes with it? A few scriptures here. Jesus said this. That's why it's in red letters. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so there Jesus was saying, uh, as you are going, as you go to school, to work, and as you go around your neighborhood, wherever it is you go, just make disciples. So how do you make a disciple of Jesus? What, what is a disciple and how do you make one? Okay, follower of Christ. That's what New Testament's talking about. A learner, a follower of Christ. So how do you make one of those people? All right. Okay. Just like Jesus did. Jesus said, first thing you got to do, Peter, John, and Andrew, first thing you got to do is come and follow me. Oh, okay, we're going to leave our nets, we're going to leave everything we're doing, we're going to follow you wherever you go, that's where we're going. And so they, then they became his disciples. They're, lear, he's, they're learners learning from Jesus to become just like him. And so he was teaching the whole time he's there, three and a half years. Now here's what you do, don't, you know, all this. And so the words are there for us to do the same thing with. So he's saying, go and make disciples of all nations, all people. Once you make a disciple, you baptize them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you teach them. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Teach them what Jesus said. Teach them what the Bible says. Teach them everything about all things concerning God, Jesus, church, Bible. And he said, as you're doing that, I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm always going to be with you, showing you what you need to do and how you need to do it to the, to the end of time. And so they're, you know, they're out of these numbers and these figures and, and all these populations and, and things of that nature. Jesus is just so saying... Or consider a three-mile radius and just a thousand people are sitting out there, uh, probably half of them not going to church anywhere. But why would they not be going to church anywhere? Why are they disagreeing completely, that 272, with attending church regularly? Why are they not? Because they are lost. More than likely, they're lost. Maybe the 163 of them there also. And so that's why Jesus says, just go out there and you know, lead them to the Lord, as Drew say. You know, they've got to be saved first, then you begin to teach them, to disciple them. You can walk out on the front porch right now. Well, you can't right now, it's dark. But if you'd have done it this morning, you'd have walked out on the front porch and you can see four houses from our front porch. Four houses. When you look across any direction, you see four houses. Of those four houses, one of those houses attends here. The other three go nowhere. As far as we know, those other three houses that you can see from our front porch do not attend church anywhere. Got four of them right here, just at our front porch. And so Jesus is saying, as we're going, let's make disciples, let's baptize them, let's teach them how to obey Jesus. And he said, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Okay. Anything else on this scripture? We're gonna got a couple of more. Okay. So what what do we do then? How how do we do this? How do we go and make disciples and all that? How do we do that? Here's how we do it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and with all. I'm sorry, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So the first thing we do is love Jesus. We've got to make sure we're in a right relationship with Him. We love the Lord with all our heart. All our soul and all our mind. We, everything we got, we love Jesus. He's, that's the first greatest commandment. 
because somebody had asked him what's the greatest commandment, what's the most important commandment, he said this, and then he said, wait, hold on, I'm not through. Second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And of course he got, you know, people asking him, well, who's my neighbor? You know, explain to me my neighbors. That, that's the person next door to me, the one that lives behind me. Who's my neighbor? And Jesus basically answered, a neighbor is everybody. everybody. Anybody in need. Some, somebody just, you know, he gave the example of the Good Samaritan. And so there's people out there. They're looking for love and compassion and kindness and all that. And sometimes they look in the wrong places. I know that's a song. But uh, we have an answer for them. By loving God and loving people, we're able to bring them to Jesus and make disciples out of them. What else? Anything in that those verses? Already got one more. So what do we do? What do we do with all this? What do we do with all these numbers? What do we do even in Matthew 28 and Matthew 22? What do we do? Here's our first step. First step is this. Jesus, when Jesus saw the crowds, crowds of people that day, had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. All of those, uh, right, those 272 and probably 163, they're harassed and they're helpless. They're like a sheep without a shepherd. They're doing this, they're doing that, going here, going there, and, you know, just whatever they're doing, they're doing. And uh, so the crowds that Jesus would see in that three-mile radius said, you know, I've got compassion on them. They're harassed, they're helpless, they're like a sheep without a shepherd. So he said to disciples, the harvest is plentiful, a thousand people out there, but the workers are few. Well, what do you do about it, Jesus? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in his harvest field. So he said the first thing you do is not go out there, but you pray. You ask the Lord, Lord, there's about a thousand people within a three-mile radius of the church. Is there anything that I should do about that? Is there anybody I should see or visit? Is there anywhere I should go in there and maybe come across one of those 272 or 163 or, or 143? What do, you, what do you say, Jesus? And so you, you begin to talk to Him and say, I'm asking you, Lord, what should I do individually? What should we do as a church? And how do we reach this area for Jesus and see a harvest? Jesus says it's out there, and these numbers show that it's out there. And so what do we do with that? Okay? What else? Anything about all this tonight? Say, so, well, what are we going to do? I don't know. Because I hadn't prayed about it yet. Ask Jesus. I was waiting to get this to you tonight. And for me personally and for us as a church to begin to pray and say, Lord, is there anything you want us to do here? Is, is this anything we should be involved in as a church and considering and looking at or you know, doing anything about it? Would, would you have us to do anything about all this? And so we just begin to ask and he begins to speak. And we begin to listen and we say, oh, okay. You don't want us to do anything about it. All right, we won't. Or... He does, and we do.